Thank you all so much. We appreciate you listening today from wherever you're listening from. I know some of you are listening from faraway places, and we appreciate you joining us from Sunday to Sunday. Thank you for the feedback that we've gotten from so many of you. Uh, this is quite different, having church with nobody here. I'm used to looking out and seeing faces and having at least some feedback by the expression on people's faces, whether positive or, or negative. So we just appreciate you hanging in there with us. Uh, whether you are a member of our church or a member of another church and you might be listening, I want to thank those from our church who have been faithful to give and faithful to do whatever it is that, that God has called you or assigned you to do, and I hope that you will keep on. But I also want to encourage members of other churches to also be faithful to your church and remember that although your church may not be on the radio or having an online service, they still need your support. This is a critical time in the life of the church. The church is not just the building or the body gathered. We are the church scattered now, and God is using us in a different way. And we look forward to that day when God brings us all back together. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in the New Testament. It tells us about one of the miracles of Jesus. Today, uh, we're listening to government leaders and this expert and that expert and their different opinions on our present crisis. The passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning also concerns a crisis, but it's the crisis in the life of one woman. The story is found only one place in our Bible and to me that's significant when uh, we have that story just once and it comes out of the Gospels as you know Sometimes when you read the Gospels, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you find sort of the same story, the same thing going on. But Luke is a little unique. Sometimes he, he tells a, a story that we'll only hear from him. And why is that? Why are Luke's stories, the stories in the Gospel of Luke, different? Well, for one thing, Luke was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. That would say to us that Luke was for a time an unbeliever. We believe that he became a Christian through his association with the Apostle Paul. Luke, after having heard Paul preach, became interested in the stories of Jesus. He was not present for any of these miracles. He never saw Jesus do any of these things. Rather, he investigated them. And so he tells about that in uh, the first of his gospel in Luke chapter 1. That's not the text that we're going to look at, but in the very beginning of Luke chapter 1, he writes the purpose for his gospel. He said, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the beginning, eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you've been taught. Remember, this is a story that only Luke, Luke tells us. And as he tells it, he tells it from the perspective of eyewitnesses. Luke was interested in the exact truth. And why is that? Well, it's because Luke was an expert. He was an expert in his day. He was a doctor, a physician. We've heard a word used a lot in recent days. It's the word anecdotal. And it means hearsay, circumstantial, unreliable, sketchy. Doctors and experts don't like 
anecdotal evidence. That's why Luke made it his business to search out the exact truth. He didn't make these stories up. He researched them, sought, sought out the eyewitnesses, and then he laid out the facts. So this morning, we are going to consider the facts, the facts about what Jesus can do in the crisis. Uh, and, and I'm especially interested in how the eyewitnesses interpreted what happened, not just the miracle itself, the, but the message of the miracle that came through loud and clear to all who were present. So Luke chapter 7, that's where we're going to be, verses 11 through 17. Luke chapter 7, beginning to read in verse 11. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out all over Judea and in all the surrounding district. Now when an expert does his research and gives his report, he not only gives you the facts, he draws a conclusion. Look at the conclusion Luke presents based on his research. In that incident at Nain, something amazing took place. God visited his people. Now is that conclusion significant? Well, it's significant to me. I think it ought to be significant to you because not only is this story that Luke tells, is this the only place it's found in all the Bible. There's a phrase in that story that's found only in this place in all the Bible, and it says simply this, God has visited his people. I remind you of the circumstances. It was a time of crisis. It was a moment of great need. In our world and in our nation, we are in a time of crisis and a moment of great need. What we need in this moment is a vaccine. We need a cure. We need healings. We need miracles in the lives of those who are sick. But what we need more than anything else is for God to visit his people. I'll tell you why. We need the experts, the doctors, the scientists, the politicians, the church, and a watching world to see something only God can do. That's what happened that day, that day there at Nain. And I want to outline this story under the heading, What Happens When God Visits His People? I want to walk you back through these verses and show you some things that spark my interest. First, as you'll notice, the story begins with the words, Soon afterwards. Why so soon? As you know, Jesus never did anything in a hurry. Why did he leave when he did? He was in Capernaum, and you might not know the geography of the Holy Land, but Capernaum is a 25-mile walk from there to Nain, where the, where, the, where the mother lived with her son. That's quite a journey. What prompted him to leave so soon? 
Did he know what was going on in that widow's home? Did he know about the illness in the life of her boy? You'll notice here in the Bible, no one called him. There was no messenger that approached him. It was at his own initiative that he began this journey. He obviously knew what was going on and why. And that leads me to my first assumption about how God works looking at this story. When God visits his people, it will be at his own initiative. It will be because of what he sees and what he knows, and it'll be according to his timing. There's no indication that when he left Capernaum that there was a crisis or that someone sent for Jesus. He left at his own initiative. He was on his way to visit Nain, and he left knowing what he would find when he arrived and what he would do when he got there. In fact, it is possible that Jesus began his journey in advance of the existence of this need in Nain. I'll, I'll, I'll suggest to you why. Now, how long does it take to walk 25 miles? Well, it takes a man uh, walking 25 miles. About, uh, a man walks about three miles an hour. Uh, and so walking with a crowd of people, it, it might take a little longer, but suffice it to say, it was a, a day's journey. And what I'm proposing to you is that this mom in this story may not have had a need when this day began. There may not have been a crisis because in that day they buried people the same day that they died. How did her boy die? Was it an accident? Did it happen suddenly? Was it an illness? Was it something she didn't expect to face as the day began? Was it something that Jesus knew that she would face before he left Capernaum? Was Jesus traveling? And did he leave so soon because he knew that her boy would die? When God visits his people, he does so at his own initiative. He does so because he knows something that we don't. We all began this year, 2020, without any idea that we would be in the middle of this crisis. The president couldn't predict it. The scientists couldn't have predicted it. I couldn't predict it. You couldn't predict it. No one knew. Do you suppose God knew? Do you suppose God knows what the need is in your life and knew of it before you knew of it yourself? Did you know that the Bible says that God knows what we need before we ask, he knew what this mother would need before she knew she had a need about which to pray. So with a sense of urgency, the Bible tells us that he left Capernaum headed for Nain. When God visits his people, it will be at his own initiative and it will be because of what he sees and he knows. Number two, when God visits his people, he will invite others to be involved in his activity we discover in this story that his disciples were going along with him. Why did Jesus take the disciples with him, or others for that matter? It was because there was something he wanted them to experience. There was something he wanted them to see and to witness so that they could witness something only God could do. There was an encounter with God waiting for them in name. What prompted you to tune into this service today? What drew you to listen? Could it be that there's an encounter with God waiting for you just as there was for his disciples as they made the long walk to Nain? That's where we're going this morning. We're making that journey. Much as Luke did when he first heard the story, just as God visited all those people in that cemetery that day, 
perhaps God intends to visit you right where you are today. Number three, when God visits his people, it is his intention to impact many. You'll notice in verse 11 that along with the disciples of the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, a large crowd accompanied them. Now imagine a large crowd taking a 25-mile walk just to follow Jesus. You know, I've discovered that Jesus never touches a life for the sake of that single life alone. The ripple effect of that touch goes out in every direction around that person's life. The effect of God's work in their life becomes widely known and many more lives are touched and changed as a result. And you will notice in this story that there's not just one multitude, there are two multitudes. There was the large crowd that came with Jesus. These people were simply curious, interested. Perhaps they'd seen what Jesus could do or perhaps they had heard some anecdotal evidence and, and they needed to see it with their own eyes. They needed their own experience with God. So first, there, there was this large group of people who had no crisis. They were just curious. Then there was that other crowd, the crowd from Nain, making their way out of the city with this mother. What happens on the day that people die? Remember, they buried them on the day that they died. How are people on the day that someone dies? They're shocked. They're shaken. Their lives are shattered by the crisis of death. Two entirely groups of people were about to have an encounter with God. Even as I prepared this message, I pondered the different people who would listen, different places, people drawn to listen, some of the members of our own church, some listening because they have a crisis or some desperation in their life, but all of us listening to this story from the Bible by divine appointment, all of us listening because God knows our need, needs we have at the moment, and needs that we don't even know will arise, but our greatest need, our greatest need is for a visit from God. That's the way they all described it after the fact. God has visited His people and I have prayed even before this service and even now as I preach that God would visit you and visit me. Next, when God visits His people, His timing in making that visit will be perfect. A visitation from God will always coincide with a deep need in the lives of His people and a purpose known only to the heart of God. Where were God's people when God met Moses at the burning bush? Well, his people were in deep need. Desperation and hopelessness filled their hearts. God knew that need. He knew their hearts. His purpose in speaking to Moses corresponded with that deep need in the life of his people. Story after story in Scripture makes us aware of God's advanced awareness of needs that exist in the life of his people and his perfect timing in meeting those needs. Ponder the need of this woman. She was a widow. She was a widow with an only son. That's who she was at the beginning of the day. At the end of that day, she was a hopeless widow who had lost her only son. And where was the God who promised to be the defender of widows? He was on his way. I don't know what your need is as you listen today or how, you, how your need compares with hers, but I know this, I know that God knows. I know that God cares. I know that God wants to visit you in your need just as he visited that woman. Now consider the perfect timing of our Lord's arrival. Think about this. He made a 25-mile journey with, with his 12 disciples and a large crowd of people. 
I believe he made that journey just in, in behalf of this widow. He knew her need, and he knew where she would be at the end of this long, painful day. So ponder this moment. Two crowds meet at the city gate. One just leaving the city, bearing the body of a widow's only son. The other crowd had walked all day. What are the chances? What are the chances of them meeting right at the city gate? Historians tell us that it's still just a 10-minute walk from the gate of that city of Nain to the cemetery where they were taking the boy. 10 minutes later, Jesus, had he left 10 minutes later, he would have missed her at the city gate. If she left 10 minutes early, she would have missed Jesus. But this was not a, 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 a time that was going to be missed because this was a divine appointment. This was God in his perfect timing, knowing where a woman would be, knowing what her need would be, and showing up to meet that need in her life. And that's not my opinion. That was the conclusion drawn by those who were there. That was the conclusion drawn by Luke who wrote the story and considered himself an expert because he invested everything carefully. This was God visiting his people. It was perfect timing. It's also not an accident that you're listening to this story. There is something God wants to do in your life that perhaps he has waited until this exact moment to do. Or perhaps this is the moment of your greatest need. He knew you would be listening. This is a divine appointment. So when God visits his people, it will be at his own initiative. When God visits his people, he will involve his people or others to be a part of his activity. When God visits his people, it is his intent to impact many. And when God visits his people, his timing will be perfect. What a moment that must have been. First, the Bible says that when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. Do you suppose that he sees you knowing your circumstances? Does he feel compassion for you? Can he dry your tears? Can he restore your hope? Those are things that only God can do. But on that day, God visited His people. Is He visiting you right now? Is He speaking to you? Is this your divine appointment in the midst of this global crisis or your personal crisis? Next, when God visits His people, He does so to restore something that is lost. What was it in this woman's life that was lost? It was her boy. But not only was it her boy, it was her hope. It was her future. I believe also that it was her faith. Sometimes a crisis devastates our faith. We blame God. We figure God doesn't know or care. But look at this story. In perfect timing, Jesus steps into the middle of her circumstances. Listen again as Luke tells it. He says, And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What a moment that was. Don't you know that when that boy died, that mother would have rather lost her own life than to lose her boy. But Jesus stepped into the middle of her circumstances and gave her back not only her boy, but her hope and her faith in God. What about you? Are you in a period of crisis in your life? Has this present crisis shaken you? Has it shaken your faith? Where is God in the middle of your circumstances? The need of, of the hour, the great need of the hour in this crisis is no different than the great need of the hour in that crisis. We need God to visit His people. We need God to step into the middle of our circumstances and to display His glory to a shaken church and to a watching world. 
But like then, that's something only God can do. The church cannot manufacture God in the middle of this crisis. It's up to God to do that, and it will happen at His initiative and in His perfect timing. You know, only Jesus can speak to a corpse and rise it to life. Only Jesus can speak to your circumstances and make sense out of them. Only Jesus can speak to your hopelessness and restore your hope. Only Jesus can speak to dead faith and ignite revival. Listen to the expert, Dr. Luke, as he gives us the exact truth about the rest of this story. He says, the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear, fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. When God visits his people, this is the final point, when God visits his people, he does so to display his glory to a watching world. The Bible says here, fear gripped them all. That's two multitudes, two multitudes of people, one crowd that had come from 25 miles away along with 12 disciples and the other crowd coming with the mother out of the city bearing the body of her son and fear gripped them all. That often happens in the stories of Jesus' miracles when Jesus calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee, when his disciples were in the storm, in the boat, terrified by the winds and the waves, when Jesus calmed the storm, the Bible says they were suddenly more afraid of Jesus than they were of the storm. And they said, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? When Jesus healed the man with the legion of demons and he cast out all of those demons, all of the people who'd been so afraid of the man who was demon-possessed now were more afraid of Jesus than they had been of that man. Why in these stories does fear grip them all? It is a holy dread. When God visits his people, his people along with a watching world are overcome with a sense of his presence. And a holy dread comes over them. It was not just the miracle. It was the holy dread that prompted them to conclude that God had visited His people. And that is the great need of our hour. That is the great need of our world today. We need God to visit His people, but not just to bring an end to some crisis. We need Him to manifest His presence in such a way that His church and a watching world have no no choice but to conclude that God has visited His people. We need a sense of holy dread that accompanies the manifestation of God's presence. We need God to step into our circumstances, to step into our, to our, our church services, to step into our homes and into the mess of our government. And we need Him to manifest His presence in such a way that we are more shaken by an encounter with Him than we have been shaken by this crisis that has shaken our nation. We need God to visit His people. That's what we need at First Baptist Church. I believe that with all my heart. We need God to visit His people. We need God to visit this church. When we come back together, I pray that God would shake us, that we'll come back a broken people, a shaken people, desperate to see what only God can do in the midst of our church. I pray that you will also seek that in your own life and in your own circumstances and in your church and in our nation and in our world today. Pray, pray that God would visit His people. 
Let's do that right now. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that you would do what only you can do, that you would awaken us, Lord, by a manifestation of your presence, that in the midst of this crisis and out of this crisis would come a great revival, not one manipulated or manufactured by some series of services that some church might orchestrate, but a revival that comes from you showing up, from you standing up in our boat, in our crisis, and speaking peace to the storm. But not only that, Lord, just making your presence known and showing yourself to our nation, to our community, that we might realize that the Lord, He is God. Now, Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you tuning in to the services of First Baptist Church. May God bless you.